the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. I hope you had a meaningful July 4th weekend and holiday. I hope some of you took my advice and sang a patriotic song. Because I'd like to report to you of a study, poll, whatever you wish to call it, about how young people feel about the United States of America. By the way, I'm Dennis Prager, in case I didn't say it. And hmm, we are about to find it, Then we are not about to find it. Can I have that study about the young people? It is a puzzle to me that it is not in my gigantic stack. And I welcome you all to the show. And I got to speak to 45 young people, the terrific Eva, gathered them together for a patriotic day. The, the view of young people toward the country uh, is negative. Uh, um, the younger the person, the less they think America is worth even being proud of. Of course, when asked, interestingly, can you name a better country, then they were stumped. And that's, uh, that is pretty relevant uh, to, the, uh, to the issue. I, I and I TIPP poll. I and I is issues and insights. Just 36% of young people are proud to me be American. One out of three. Is pride in America a thing of the past? Not if you ask Americans as the nation celebrates its 245th birthday. The I, I and I TIPP poll finds 68% of adults say they are very or extremely proud to be an American, another 15% moderately proud. But that's not the issue. The issue is the young people. This is fascinating. The poll found that 55% of blacks and 57% of Hispanics say they are either extremely or very proud to be American. So who, uh, who runs the country? This tiny minority of people that can't stand the country. That's a first in history, I would think. People who loathe everything it stands for. We'll have examples of that. Uh, I will give you uh, later. Men are far more proud than women to be American. 81% of men say they're extremely or very proud compared with 65% of women. Why would that be? It's an interesting question. I I mean it sincerely. Why would that be? I can only believe that women have been more susceptible uh, to propaganda and brainwashing than men have. I can't think of a single other explanation. If you can, uh, I would be very interested to hear from you. 
This is an, another incredibly important statistic. Single women are far less proud of their nationality than married women. 51% versus 70%. Another argument for men need women and the women need men. There is so much damage done to this country and its people by the left in the course of my lifetime. But none is greater. There are many tied for it, but none is greater than women don't need men. The gigantic idiocy, I can't even call it a lie. It, it's, it's beyond lie. It's, it's in the realm of the idiot. Women don't need men. men no, would anybody say men don't need women? Yeah, a few, few people would say that. But by and large, is an acknowledgement. But no, not women. No. Half, half of the women of the country are, uh, well, no, 51% are less proud than, uh, than the men. College and university seem to be inadvertently instilling American pride. That's interesting. 75% of college graduates are proud to be Americans compared with 62%. That's tough to believe, isn't it? Got to admit, that's a tough one. Hmm. But the, uh, the the biggest the biggest one is the gender and the single, but most dramatic. Thirty six percent, eighteen to twenty four, proud to be American. Eighty six percent of people sixty five and over, which is pretty funny because that's the baby boomer crowd. The baby boomer crowd is what started the crap on America movement. So it's a bit bizarre. I, I, look, I don't know if any poll is accurate, to be honest. However, as I always said, either, I've always said, either they tell you the obvious or they're wrong. Either they tell you what common sense suggests. Common sense suggests that this is correct. 18 to 24 year olds are the least people, are the least proud to be American. Anyway. Some July 4th thoughts about our situation. Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters, a giant of our time, went on an anti-American rant, Daily Mail, in a July 4th Twitter post where she claims that the creeds laid out by the Declaration of Independence did not give equal rights to black people or women. That's right. It didn't. I have a very good question for her. July 4th, and so the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. Equal to what? What men? Only white men? Isn't it something that they wrote in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? Okay, so here is my response to Maxine Waters. It is true. We did not live up to our ideal that all men are created equal. So I have a question. Can you name another society in 1776 that announced for its society all men are created equal? Any, uh, any Asian societies come to mind? Any European any African? 
any others in the Americas? Did the Mayans come up with that idea? Did the Congolese? Did the Japanese or Chinese? Good question, no? She's an idiot. Every leftist is an idiot. If you're not an idiot, you're either a liberal or a conservative. That's the, that's the question. I can't wait to go back to college campuses and pose that. Oh, well, that was hypocritical when they wrote all men are created equal. No, it was, they were inconsistent with what they believed. They were not hypocrites. Hypocrites would have would have been people who say, well, it's okay for some of us to keep slaves, but it's not okay for others. They didn't think it was okay for them. They did it. They violated their own values. That's correct. Lincoln said, I, I tremble for my country thinking that God is just. He was referring to slavery. They knew. But there is no other country that did this. No other civilization that did this. That would be fun. I must admit, I would enjoy asking Maxine Waters that question. Okay, you're right. It was not universally applied, this value in American life. Who else had the value? What would she say? I usually know what leftists will answer. I, I, it's part of my brain work, thinking up answers that people who don't think clearly would come up with. <laughs> I can't come up with one now. See, what you advocate is, is important, my friends. It does, that you don't live up to your highest ideals is sort of a summary of the human condition, would you say? But highest ideals are very important. So any time you hear this from your, your college-educated son or daughter, ask them who else came up with this idea in 1776. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. I'm Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. 
And Mark in Houston, Texas. Hello. Oh, hi, Mr. Prager. How are you? Okay, thank you. Uh, well, you know, like I said, uh, I think that young people, uh, all young people like me, they, they hate America because people like you are using all the... Okay, there we go. And there's uh, Justin in New York City. Hello. Justin in New York. Hey, Dennis. How are you doing? Okay. All right. I think we have a few uh, telephone problems here. No problem. Uh, Let's go to uh, Pamela in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, Pamela. Hello, Dennis. Um, I want to thank you. I tried to get through on Friday. It was just too busy. I want to thank you for all your comments on Friday. Um, I'm just a little emotional. um, I'm a baby boomer, and um, my uncle was um, killed in World War II on April 26, 1945, uh, two, I think two weeks before the end of the war, and he was guarding Auschwitz, and uh, we had already liberated Auschwitz, and we think maybe it was a sniper, but... Uh, he was my mother's only sibling, and um, we were just um, always taught um, God first, family second, and then to love and honor our country. And my grandmother, of course, his mother, lived with us, and every Memorial Day, Fourth of July, excuse me, we hung... Um, this beautiful flag on our porch that covered his coffin and I just um, I just love my country so much and we were raised in the Judeo-Christian right well that's it that's exactly right God bless you and your uncle by the way it's Auschwitz for for the record and if you if you can't love this country, can't be proud of what America has achieved, then your moral compass is broken. That's it. it it's not. This is a, not a complex issue. I read a piece, one of the longer pieces. I'm going to start reading it to you. It is an analysis of what has happened in this country to young people. I consider it to be one of the most thoughtful pieces of the last few years. Mary Aberstadt, was she in the Harvard faculty? So who am I thinking? Oh, yes, I know. I'm thinking of another woman, yes. Anyway, Mary Aberstadt, whom I've been reading for years, writes in in a terrific journal, First Things. R.R. Reno edits it. I've had him on the show. According to the first thorough examination of the street protests triggered by the death of George Floyd, undertaken by Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, in conjunction conjunction with the Bridging Divides Initiative at Princeton, more than 10,600 incidents of what is benignly called unrest were recorded between May 24 and August 22. Of these, some 570 involved violence. Of those, most have involved Black Lives Matter activists. 
Preliminary insurance estimates show that the damage will surpass $1.2 billion in damages accrued during more will surpass the $1.2 billion accrued during the Rodney King riots in 1992. And then there are the atmospherics that separate these protests from many that have gone before. Lusty screaming, ecstatic vandalism, the menacing of bystanders. The ritualistic exhibition of destructive behaviors in city after city is without precedent in America. Neither the civil rights demonstrations nor the protests against the war in Vietnam looked remotely like this. What explains this? The answer cannot be racism. In 2017, according to Pew Research, 52% of respondents said that race doesn't make much difference in marriage. And another 39% said that interracial marriage is a good thing. When 91% of the public shrugs at or applauds interracial marriage, it is absurd to speak of a spectral racism that permanently and irredeemably poisons society. That eruption exposes the threefold crisis. This is key. The last caller reminded me of this piece. This eruption, that is what happened last year, exposes the threefold crisis of filial attachment that has beset the Western world for more than half a century. Deprived of father, small f, father, capital F, and patria, that is the country as your fatherland, a critical mass of humanity has become socially dysfunctional on a scale not seen before. I wrote about this in my commentary on the Bible. If you don't have a father on earth, at least you'll have a father in heaven. And now a vast number of young people have no father on earth, no father in heaven, and no fatherland. That's the brilliant thesis of this woman. And I will continue with what she wrote. We'll put it up. It's from First Things. We should, we'll put it up. You are listening to The Dennis Prager Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you about an interesting supplement that has made a big deal in my life. I had the, the pins and needles feeling in my feet. I've had it for about 25 years. It got quite intense. So among the things I did is I had inserts put in, which helped because it lifted the bone from the nerve. And I threw away the inserts last year after I started taking Nerve Renew. I read about Nerve Renew on the internet, and so I tried it out. And amazingly, after about a year, it doesn't happen overnight, I got rid of the inserts I had worn for 10 years. It's minimal, the, uh, the pins and needles effect that I have. I'd like you to try it out. Go to NerveRenew.com. They offer two-week trial of their product and a one-year money-back guarantee at NerveRenew.com or your two-week trial now. I asked them to advertise. That's how effective I think the product is, NerveRenew.com. All right, everybody, Dennis Prager here. This brilliant, brilliant piece in a terrific journal, First Things, Analyzing the people who went crazy, the young people who went nuts, truly nuts. 
the hysteria and the destruction and the screaming. Last year's riots over something that isn't true, that America is racist. It's, it, they were riots over a lie. We don't even know if George Floyd's death was caused by racism. The black, left-wing, Democratic Attorney General of Minnesota said it wasn't. How widely reported was that? How many of the crackpots who rioted last summer know that? So they rioted over, over an event that didn't take place. George Floyd was killed, we, we suspect. Anyway, he was found guilty of murder. Derek Chauvin. But there wasn't a suggestion that it was because of race. Six decades of social science have established that the most efficient way to increase dysfunction is to increase fatherlessness. And this the United States has done for two generations now. Almost one in four children today grows up without a father in the home. For African Americans, I I wish conservatives never used African Americans. I never used it. It's patronizing. It means that you're following the herd. And she doesn't marry Eberstadt. By the way, the latest is you should not use African American. Isn't that amazing? Because not all blacks are African. That that's what they uh, that's the latest. Did you see the Brandeis University list of words? You can't use people of color, even though BIPOC is the way they use it. You can't use African American. You have to use black. I've been using black the whole time. It's sort of like my the width of my ties. I keep my ties, and they always come back to the width of my ties. It, 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 it's like it comes back in style if you, if you wait long enough. All right, anyway, for African Americans, it is some 65% of children. Absent fathers predict higher rates of truancy, psychiatric problems, criminality, promiscuity, drug use, rape, domestic violence, and other less than optimal outcomes. Here's another pertinent, albeit socially radioactive, fact. Fatherlessness leads to a search for father substitutes. And some of these daddy placeholders turn out to be toxic. The murder rates in inner cities are irreducibly familial phenomena. That's because the murder problem is largely a gang problem and the gang problem is largely a daddy problem. As the Minnesota Psychological Association put it in a study published in August, a high percentage of gang members come from father-absent homes, possibly resulting from a need for a sense of belonging. Gaining that sense of belonging is an important element for all individuals. Through gangs, youth find a sense of community and acceptance. In addition, the gang leader may fill the role of father, often leading members to model their behaviors after that individual. Having a father in the child's life greatly reduces the likelihood of a child joining a gang. Second, the language of BLM itself suggests that daddy issues are an ingredient in the political mix that has exploded in cities across the country. Before it was removed in late September, one section of the BLM website declared, quote, We disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages 
that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Note the missing noun, fathers. It is as if fathers, as distinct from parents, had ceased to exist. BLM is a direct heir of the founding document of identity politics, the Cohambi River Collective Statement put forward by black feminists in 1977. That manifesto spoke of women and children only, never of fathers, brothers, or sons. I will continue with this. What do young people have today? Forget the inner city kids. Affluent suburban kids. What do they have? What do they identify with? As I put it, and now she puts it, no father in heaven, no... Well, they have a father on earth in the suburb, that's true. But they have no fatherland and no father in heaven. And usually a weak father. Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager, reading to you The Fury of the Fatherless. Take some calls, but uh, it's up. It's now up at, uh, at DennisPrager.com. Third, the biographies of at least some of today's race-minded trailblazers suggest a connection between fatherlessness and identity politics. The author of the bestseller, White Fragility, was a child of divorce at age two. The author of the bestseller, So You Want to Talk About Race, reports that her father left the family and broke off contact, also when she was two. The author of another bestseller, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, was raised by a single mother. The author of another hot race book, The Anti-Racist, How to Start the Conversation About Race and Take Action, was raised by his grandmother. Colin Kaepernick's biological father left his mother before he was born, but he was then adopted and raised by a white family. James Baldwin, a major inspiration for today's new socialist writers, grew up with an abusive stepfather. His mother left his biological father before he was born. The list could go on. In 2019, 44% of Americans aged 18 to 29 were nuns, N-O-N-E-S. None of the above is now the fastest growing religious subset in the United States. If fatherlessness and secularization are two aspects of the decline of the paternal principle, there remains a third, attachment to country. Here, too, millennials and Gen Z stand out. For many years, the decline of American patriotism among the young has been charted in surveys, which I brought to your attention just earlier. And that's the, what I've taken out. Oh, almost done. All manner of accelerants have made matters worse. The internet, social media, racial prejudice, tax political leadership, lax, excuse me, lax political leadership, scandals within the churches, the coarsening of political conversation, the polarization of the media into clashing armies. So has the metastasizing of the Civil Rights Act. 
As Christopher Caldwell has observed, a feverishly partisan intellectual class has stoked the flames with critical race theory, charges of fascism in America, and other debased characterizations of the country. Like Edmund in King Lear, who despised his half-brother Edgar, these disinherited young are beyond furious. Like Edmund, too, they resent and envy their fellows born to an ordered paternity, those with secure attachments to family and faith and country. That last point is critical. Boy, is she right about her own point. That last point is critical. Their resentment is why the triply dispossessed tear down statues not only of Confederates, but of founding fathers and town fathers and city fathers and anything else that looks like a father. Period. The men and women who think they have no country cannot abide those who have a country. Any more than the illegitimate son in King Lear can endure his half-brothers enjoying a patrimony. And that is the article. I've said that in my own way all of my life. People with no religion resent those who have it. People with no fathers resent those who have them. I'm talking about abandoned or never started with. It's not always true. Nothing is always true in the observing of the human condition. But it is largely true. Those who have no identity create an identity. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a, an American in your identity, then you will have a racial identity. You can add Jew, you can add Muslim, I don't care what religion, for the sake of this argument. Most Americans have been Christian. To think that people value a racial identity proves what I have long believed and why I found Steven Pinker's book, Optimistic About the Future, to be so naive. We don't go in some linear moral progress. We have large patches of going backwards. We are in one of them now. If your primary identity is black, that notion is morally primitive. Simple as that. If your primary identity is white, that is morally primitive. However, far more blacks are black before anything else than whites are white before anything else. That is a tragedy that was created by white liberals. That's the irony. Ethan in St. Louis, Missouri. Hello. Hi, Dennis. I just wanted to comment on young people not being patriotic, and I think a lot of it is the education system. Like, I'm from Austin originally, but I'm in St. Louis right now. Uh, I'm attending St. Louis University, which is a small Jesuit school. Uh, and when people think of this kind of corruption in the university system, they're usually talking about the more liberal universities. But I've been really surprised to find out that 
uh, you know, this lack of patriotism has started to find its way even into these, you know, private Catholic institutions. So my question for you in regards to that is, did you try to flex? So that was uh, true. It is what is happening in our uh, in our uh, Catholic institutions as well. Yes, indeed. The uh, the the effect of the left on uh, on the churches and synagogues has been devastating because everything the left touches it destroys you are listening to the Dennis Prager show okay everybody Dennis Prager here Jane in Manhattan New York City hello yes hello yes sir yeah so um, going to this whole thing about Fathers, uh, something. Uh, just a question. So, if you come, if you, so the explanation for leftism. Wait, 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 wait. You started to get a little uh, unclear there. Are you talking? No, no, because it, it, I, yeah, you were just talking about it. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the phone connect. I'm talking about the phone connection. Could you talk right into the phone? Okay. Not a speaker phone. Can you hear me now? Okay, hold up, hold up. Let me see if the reception. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry about that bad reception over here. Yeah. All right. It is my now, name. going about uh, fatherlessness and leftism. So, since I had a father who's around, uh, am I an outlier? Because given how I want to tear down the statues of Confederate traitors. Right. If you, if your father, you're an outlier under the following conditions: that your father was <laughs> in your life, your whole life. Doesn't mean that your mm-hmm. parents were intact. You could uh, you could be in. Why? Okay. Excuse so wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. No, no. Let me finish. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you the characteristics of an outlier. Your father was in your life your whole life. Your father was a strong male model, and you were raised with uh, organized religion. If you had those three things and tear down statues, you are an outlier. Mm. So let me get this straight. So. Uh... Was tearing down statues of Lenin bad? No. It's tearing, down like statues. tearing down statues of Confederates bad. Okay, if it's just... Okay. The Confederate statues is a very difficult question. Do we tear down... They, they were traitors. The, Come on, be honest. Yes, they, they were traitors. That is correct. Of course they were, by definition. And did they not, and did they not succeed? Wait, wait, let me, let me ask you. Did they not succeed for the sole purpose of... The fact that Lincoln won, who vowed to halt slavery, the spread of slavery, and that was the thing that pissed them off. Right, I agree with you. I think they, so were, I think they, they did a terrible thing. Right. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Well, uh, I, I have, ne- I have okay. not, I, have, I'm against tearing down statues because of the violence involved in the act. If a city council votes to take down a Confederate statue, I would vote along with them. However, having said that, I've often given the example of Peter Stuyvesant, the first mayor or governor or leader of New York City, when it was Dutch, when it was New Amsterdam. Everybody knew he was an anti-Semite. I'm a Jew. I wouldn't tear down his statue. That's it. We'll be back. I'm Dennis Prager.